A quick disclaimer prior to this episode. As with any cannabis or alcohol products, use in moderation and only if safe to do so. Consult with your physician before taking cannabis. This episode is for entertainment purposes only. We do not give medical advice. Hi, this is Todd Sullivan and welcome to the Cannon Media Podcast. Each week we will bring you a podcast that covers the cannabis industry. You'll hear from medical professionals, educators, newsmakers, entrepreneurs, and the investors who fund them in our attempt to bring you a complete view of the cannabis landscape as it continually evolves. We hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you very much for joining in today. We have a really exciting, exciting podcast today. We're we're speaking with Warren Bullbrow, who is the pioneer of cannabis-infused drinks and has written not one, not two, but six books on the subject. Uh, you can get his latest right here. Uh, it's available on Amazon.com. Uh, I highly, highly suggest uh, that everyone get it and read through it. It's, it, is, uh, it is not just a simple um, recipe book for drinks. It is a, a science book on the science of cannabis, the science of extracting uh, the THC from cannabis and infusing uh, non-alcoholic and alcoholic drinks with cannabis. Um, it's it's really one of the one of the better reads I've ever had in the space, and I really can't recommend it highly enough. So, with uh, with no ado, uh, we welcome Warren to the show today. Warren, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, high up on the cool factor. I've been yeah. looking forward to this one. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I saw you have a copy of my book in front of you, and I really yeah. try to dispel the uh, the difficulties that that individuals have when they go to uh to doing this art and it really is an art it's not just a craft and it has to be uh learned like someone would learn how to cook for instance or how to turn on a stove and boil water right you'd be surprised how many people have never boiled water and they say oh we go out for boiled water but it's the same kind of thing it's it's most easy for you to go to a dispensary and to buy a container of a, of a liquid or get you know just about anything that you need to get, and I just give you all the tools so you can do it yourself. Yeah. So tell us a little about yourself because there's there's no university class that teaches this. No no night education. Well, there should be. Yeah, there, there should, there should be, be right. Because Coming there should soon. be people like myself who who want to do things like this. Yeah. I, I know that there are. They exist. So tell tell us your story. How did you how did you be to become the the person in the U.S. for cannabis-infused drinks. How did that happen? Oh, and you're also a uh, Forbes contributor. You, you, so. you know, what, the way it happened was by osmosis, and yeah. I and and it's an unduplicatable story because it involves a family background in patent pharmaceuticals, which some people have said so far as them being snake oil and uh, you know unsure cures for uh, for you know afflictions that no one really has. But, you know, fortunes are made and lost that way. And that was my influence. My grandfather manufactured a product called Geritol. Some could say it was whiskey. <laughs> Others could say it was for iron poured blood. It was, you know, 50% alcohol. You could say that it was to get a little vim and vigor in your set. I could say that it was no more than ethyl alcohol, caramel coloring flavorings. You know, I wrote about a book about whiskey. So I can tell you that it's whiskey that you wouldn't want to drink. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I have this background in, in the uh, quote unquote, the early apothecary, if you will. It, it's all tongue in cheek, you know, and we have fun. And most of, of alcoholic recipes that we have come back from New Orleans in the time of the 1800s when people would go to a dispensary or an apothecary. 
they would be a preparatory apothecary. They would make things like, you know, aromatic bitters, like this one, for instance, Peychaud's bitters. You know, and the reason why it was paint, it was it's dyed that bright red be is because you would believe that because it's red, it has very, you know, mystical med medicinal qualities, and it's very powerful, and it's going to heal what ails you. And it was really invented for dysentery because. You know, there's no refrigeration and everyone's walking around with stomach, you know, ailments. You don't live very long because, you know, you have dysentery and, you know, it's an awful way to go. And Peychaud's, you know, with all these medical seals on it represents healing. So my influence from it was I was down at the Apothecary Museum during Tales of the Cocktail, which is the yearly event that goes on and it celebrates the American cocktail and it takes place in New Orleans every year. And I had this... Uh, book that I wrote called Bitters and Shrubs Syrup Cocktails. And it's a great book because it kind of gives you this view into the early apothecary and healing with shrubs, not shrubberies, but but shrubs, which are uh, acidulated beverages, you know, uh, vinegar and a little sugar and fresh fruit. And, you know, and you cook it together and let it sit down in a stoneware container in the basement for a couple, you know, a couple days until it makes a syrup and then mix cocktails with it. Hmm. So when you have you know, lousy liquor, and you mix it with this beautiful shrub, it creates something that goes a little further. So anyway, so my, my idea was I was at the pharmacy museum and doing my book signing for Bitters and Shrubs, and wouldn't you know, at the same time as an exhibition at the museum, they're doing a showing of cannabis in the early apothecary. What and year was this? I was going to write about, because my first book, coincidentally was named apothecary cocktails and they sell it at the pharmacy museum to this day they do very nicely with it what year and, was this uh, yeah i'm sorry what's that what year was this uh 2013 okay okay yeah, so it wasn't that long ago i mean i was a i, I had a, a run-in with uh with real life and uh for about 20 years, I worked in a bank, but we don't tell anyone that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Warren, can you give us, you know, some color on your background? Because, uh, you know, I understand you, you've got a background in using cannabis as a medicine, but then you also have a background yeah. in, you know, cocktails, right? So how, yes, how, yes. how have you kind of infused these two to, to become kind of the, you know, the godfather of cannabis-infused drinks here? Well, I, as I said, I wouldn't go so far as to say that I invented it, although I was the person who wrote the first book, and I took the ideas that were really amalgamated in the 1800s, and they were using, you know, cannabis and cocktails in New Orleans. We know that they were using cannabis and cocktails in New Orleans as far back as 18, in the 1850s. So, I, you know, the concoctions were not meant to be for pleasure. They were meant to be for gout. They were meant to be for worms. They were meant to be for head lice. They were meant to be a multitude of things. Cocktails evolved from the drinking of, of you know, tiny little glasses that were, you know, dispensed, you know, even smaller than this, dispensed for medicinal purposes. <clears throat> sure. And the only reason why they became something so popular is because they had alcohol in them and alcohol lubricates all social ills. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, you follow follow distillation and you follow history. Um, the Chinese were making cannabis-infused cocktails 5,000 years ago. We know this because we know history, and it's not a history that I created by any means, but it's a history that I celebrate. And being a mixologist or a master mixologist at that, I like taking ingredients and I like using them to take them to the next step, to raise the bar, if you will. And if no one else thought of it, that's their problem. I, you know, and if they thought of it, great, I celebrate them. I want to see them do well. 
I love doing well. I'm going to make a beautiful cocktail today. We're going to have a lot of fun. And, and you know, it's, it's easy to, to have a good time. And I, I think the two words that are missing from most Americans, uh, you know, dictionary are common sense. And you don't have to drink this much tequila to get the effect that you need out of that much. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough game for, for some people. They think that, that you have to drink three or four drinks in an hour to have any sort of effect. And with cannabis cocktails, it's a completely different game. So talk to me about the whole process. So I'm a newbie, never done this before. I go to my local dispensary. Right. I get some cannabis. I want to make a cocktail. What, what right. do I have to do and why do I have to do it? Well, the first thing you want to do is you want to decarb your your cannabis it's decarboxylate the cannabis and that turns the molecule of thca which is in the inert state the raw state it's already been cured but it's not dry and you want to uh, reveal it into thc so that happens during heat and time there's a number of different methods of doing it i've heard people using a microwave fair enough <laughs> couple, uh, th- you know, couple thirty-second blasts. Uh, I think three thirty-second blasts in a uh, covered container. I would never use aluminum foil. I only use a little paper towel. So I've experimented with that, but it can go wrong very quickly. And you can fry or torch, you know, the cannabis, and it'll burst into flames, and your <laughs> expensive investment goes up in smoke. Seriously? <laughs> the other, yeah, seriously. The other thing that 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 I've experimented with when I wrote cannabis cocktails, mocktails, and tonics, is the sous vide method, boiling it on the stove. And unfortunately, it will only get to 212 degrees because at 212 degrees, it doesn't express the THCA to THC. That happens at about 240 degrees and and then up to about 310. But I I really think 240 is the, the degree that I use. But anyway, so the oven is the worst thing because the oven is going to circulate in temperature 20, 40, 60 degrees at a time. Your toaster oven is not much better. Uh, When I wrote the book, I didn't know about the uh, machine called the Ardent. Uh, It came out soon thereafter, after 2015 when I wrote the book. Uh, That is a uh, decarb uh, mechanism. It's a machine. It's approximately this tall. It fits up to four ounces. You turn on the button and it decarbs the cannabis perfectly, 100% bioavailability. You literally can take the the bud once it comes out and eat it and have the same psychoactive effect. Wow. So the only real difficulty that I see at that point is you have your active bud. You have to infuse that now into whatever liquid that you're interested in infusing. I've done cocktail bitters. Uh, Today we have some beautiful ginger syrup from Pickett's in Denver, Colorado. This one is hot and spicy. And let me tell you, it's Cayente. Um, <laughs> people do things like they make tinctures like this, the Tears of the Gods, they, which is extraordinarily bitter. And I would never put it in a craft cocktail, but I only brought it down here to demonstrate that you can add THC to a milkshake by adding you know, a tincture, but it's going to be horribly bitter and out of balance and i think my drinks are uh, are incredibly well balanced and they deserve a place at your table because they are so delicious um some of the other things that i have infused are craft spirits 
this time today, I did not infuse the craft spirits. I left them in their whole state because I wanted to use very little of the cannabis. And when you put it in a syrup, in a spirit, it's, uh, you can get destroyed pretty easily. And I don't want that to happen. That was actually so. my question, Warren, if you could, for the listeners and for myself, my own interest in Todd's, what, how would you describe the, the difference between the experience of someone that is just having alcohol versus just having a, a cannabis infused drink versus one that actually has both, uh, cannabis and alcohol? Uh, well, the cannabis and alcohol effect, starting from last to, to first, is what we call a crossfade. And uh, it's... That's the millennial term that they talk about, it's, right? It's not for yeah. everyone. That, isn't that, isn't that the hot millennial term, getting, quote, crossfaded? Uh, crossfaded. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it has a bad uh, connotation because it involves... That those kids that would you know line up five shots of tequila and take them down and then go smoke a joint, wondering why the room starts spinning around. <laughs> yeah, and, you know that's not my intent. I, right, I right. wanted to make something that was potent but not destructive. Right. So, really, what what has happened here is a crossfade is not the two separate consumed together. What they are is together consumed together, and they're. They're created like someone would create soup, you know, a little yeah. bit of this, a little bit of that, not all the ingredients in one container at once and then turn up the stove to high and hope for the best. This is finesse. This I teach you truly to make things from scratch. Although, you know, getting back to the Arden, if you're able to decarb or even the Levo is another machine that I use. And that's what I use to, you know, make this. Uh, the Levo decarbs and infuses in the same basket. I mean, it's simple, but it only, you know, it only makes about a cup, but that's enough for most people. I, the magical butter machine is another thing that's out there that makes uh, two cups. You can't do any less than two cups. I think it's two to four or two to six cups. Yep. It's a pretty big, you know, investment of cannabis. You need uh, an ounce per, per cup, you know, per fluid, you know, 16 fluid ounces. And uh, it's very interesting, you know, how expensive that can get in a magical butter machine. Now, if you have a, a good source of medical cannabis and you know your grow limits are over two, you know, two ounces a month, you can afford to use that machine. But otherwise, I recommend the Levo. Got it. Anyway, now, Warren, do you would you say that the experience of drinking a few drinks and smoking a joint and mixing it that way is very different than actually having it mixed in one drink? Yeah, absolutely. It's, okay. it's totally, it's a totally different effect. And I don't recommend the drinking a few drinks and smoking a joint okay. thing. I've done it myself and it's uncomfortable at best. Um, the, Those are the times uh, antidote sick, to that is, is, is yeah. CBD, but you know, we didn't know about that when I wrote the book. Say that part again. Sorry, I missed the last part. Uh, the antidote to a, to a THC, when you take too much THC yeah. in, a, in a cocktail or a mocktail, yeah. is to counteract it with CBD. I, see, I have the, heard mixed reviews see, on that. I've heard a lot of people say it, it's true, and I've had some people swear that's total urban legend. But I, no, I have it, personally it experienced uh, that it does work, actually. Okay, actually, the best the best way is is the most disgusting way, and it's uh, fresh lemon juice that you drink down. It's about the lemon lemon juice from about one or two lemons, and then fresh pepper, you know, whole peppercorns chewed up, and then you drink down the pep, the, the lemon juice. And the reason why that works is because of the terpenes, the lemon, the limone, and the peppercorn. I forget what that one is, but they're very very similar to 
the terpenes in most cannabis strains that are out there. And what that does in your body is it counteracts the THC. So I didn't make that up. Neil Young did. So go, you know, blame him. <laughs> no, I, I've he, actually he heard that. that. I've heard it a number of times, and it's funny that he just said lemon also lemon. works like CBD because we just found out the other day yeah. that basically the Chinese are buying orange peels in great volumes because they've found out that CBD mm -hmm. exists in orange peels. Yeah. So it's That's funny right. that you're saying that lemon is basically, a is, is, it's a cit similar it's a thing. It's a citrus thing, yeah. Yeah. And then another thing uh, I'll, I'll tell you about, you know, we'll go off on a, on a tangent just for a second, is, uh, is absinthe. And I infused absinthe in my book because it, it really is a vilified spirit. Uh, it, it, you know, people think that if they drink absinthe, they're going to hallucinate. But quite frankly, there's there's more of the, the active ingredient in wormwood is something called thujone. And thujone, there's more thujone in an onion or a glass of orange juice than in an entire bottle of absinthe that you would never drink under any circumstances because the stuff is 160 proof. I mean, it's seriously strong. But the reason why it's seriously strong is because the herbs that are involved are hand-picked and they need to be preserved at a very high volume alcohol, otherwise they rot. So it had nothing to do with being hallucinogenic. The only thing hallucinogenic was drinking too much 160 proof spirit. <laughs> yeah. you know, in New Jersey, you can go out and you can buy like lighter fluid in, in the market. And that's 190 proof. Jesus. And yeah. that's, and that's legal, but absent no that 160 is not. You that's know, like, you know. Well, 80... it's legal now, but it wasn't that. Yeah. So that's why I infused it in my book with THC, because it's a bad boy eating a bad boy. That's like, uh, you know, you're going to get one experience with your car with 87 octane and then uh, nitrous. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, exactly. it's, it's uh, yeah, you're going to you're going to notice a difference. That's insane. Yeah, there, there is a difference. And, and I always say go to quality. So use the best quality that you can get. Unfortunately, I didn't make it. I forgot to make ice last night and my, I had frozen pizzas in the ice tray. So it didn't make much more than <laughs> that much ice. So I'll do what I have to do in a small small amount and it'll be just fine but in the future always make sure you know there's a couple lessons i wanted to teach in the in the cocktail making and the first thing is always use the best ice that you can and if you have like last week's garlic pasta in the refrigerator get rid of it before you make ice because your ice is going to taste like you know it's like an absorbing sponge and it's going to take in all those flavors from that two-week-old garlic pasta that's lurking back there on the the back in the you know the outer reaches of your refrigerator it's going to make its way down through the freezer and into your ice cube tray so when i'm making ice cubes for an event i always put them inside those freezer trays which and freezer bags because freezer bags actually let moisture out and they allow the ice to get drier which is really really important uh wet ice makes for a, a sloppy drink a, a wet drink uh, a diluted drink. That's why most people have never had a great cocktail because most bartenders use that those ch little chips of ice that yeah. when they <clears throat> shake it up really hard, you know, or drink really hard, you taste the little chips of water up on the top of the of the of the tense, you know, surface. Like if they if, if they're stupid and they uh, you know shake a martini, which is just dumb. Yeah. Um, and you see all those little chips of water of liquid on the top. That's just water, and you're paying for water. Why do you have to pay for water? You're paying for good liquor. You know why? You know muffled up with water. That's why I really wanted to put THC in because it takes you up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
All right, so all right, so let's get let's get started um, making a couple cocktails with the infused stuff here. Todd's ready to go. We have our ingredients that we, you gave us last week, and we've made them. And uh, that's great. Let's get. So, are we? Am I going to tell you talk tell you about how to make the ginger syrup? Because I hope so. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So we made the ginger syrup. Can you please share with the okay. listeners how how the they syrup? should make that? The syrup. The syrup. <laughs> <laughs> did did the you syrup. just shoot the sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't get the deputy. And no. We, and we got oh, the no. George Clooney tequila for this too. Well, that's good. Got the I, I like too. using these scientific containers oh. because if I forget to bring a. Um, you know, a, a measuring, you know, vessel. No, we it, many of them have little lines on the side, so I know exactly how, much or how little to use. Mm. I would never use this much. It would just be a tiny little bit. Yeah. But still, it, it does make a, a nice impression. So. All right. All right, so let's... Anyway. <clears throat> perfect. Let's, uh, let's break here, and then we'll change our camera angle with Nate, and so we can see all the drinks and we can make it with him. That's awesome. Sound good? All right, Nate, what are you Sounds thinking? Great. So we got tequila, bitters, orange juice, and the ginger syrup. That's everything, right? And do we need a do we need a uh, measuring thing? Because I yeah, I let me see. Let me find my uh, my orange juice. Did I bring orange juice. Uh, yeah, measure your shirt. Bear with me for a second. Yeah, no rush at all, do Warren. Take your time. Measure. Probably not. Hmm. That's what I was supposed to bring is orange juice. Um, I'm going to uh, do orange like. You're probably right. I'm going to do an orange like. That's fine. An orange what? Orange like substance. Not orange juice. Oh, okay. I, uh, oh, you got I some. I was supposed to you get got it, some tang? Is that what you're saying? You got some tang over there, Warren? So, no, it's uh, real lemon. I'm going to make it tang? into real yeah, orange. Yeah, I remember tang. I used to like it. <laughs> I used to like it. When uh, we were kids, man. Yeah, that was popular I stuff. I, I think High C put them out of business, right? Probably. <laughs> tang. This is called being a bartender and making good. Okay, so I did that. That's a little bit of concentrate. Warren, how long did you bartend for? I'm going to say it's uh, fresh juice. Just a little bit of fresh juice. There it is. Perfect. Warren, Warren, how long did you bartend for? I bartended for uh, this little place right there. Oh, yeah? What what did it say? That's uh, employees only. Oh. Okay. All right. Um, I've bartended for the Ryland Inn in in White House, New Jersey, but I've worked in a lot of... Bartended in Russia, in Moscow. Oh wow! At the top of the FSB building, which Did you is really? uh, most people have not ever set foot past, like the front steps, you'd be shot. But <laughs> things nice. like that are interesting in life. How did you get That's that experience? Uh, I was the uh, master uh, mixologist and brand ambassador for Marussia Beverages in in Moscow, and oh, wow. uh, their office was at the top of the FSB building. Wow. Which is like their National Security Administration. Yeah, building. yeah. Very and when cool. you walk in, there's little uh, gun slots at waist height, every five feet down this hundred foot corridor, which is made of black granite. So you know that they're not, you know, that they're not windows. Yeah, <laughs> they were not windows. They were gun slots. What? And they're every every five feet for a hundred feet down wow. this black granite corridor. To well, the elevators at the very end. Wow, Warren, what was it yeah. like being the uh, bartender for the Russians out there at that time? Uh, I well, I, I was teaching at the Moscow Bar Show. Yeah. So it was I was making cocktails for for those who I have sworn to silence. Got it. Good for you. Cool. 
I'm sure you got lots of experiences from that. Huh. Uh, it, it, you know what it, what it really was is, is an experience into what people really like to drink. And in, in Moscow, they don't drink vodka. Really? Most of the people I came across were expats anyway, because the dollar is such a, an advantage there. Uh, we've killed their currency. So there's a, uh, and now that oil is dead, it's their currency is worth absolutely nothing. So you show up with a hundred dollar bill that's worth a thousand dollars or more. Um, wow. I went with five hundred dollars, and it was like I had ten over ten thousand dollars in spending. I mean, it was just incredible. I was drinking salon champagne and eating Iranian caviar, and it cost pennies, literally. So you know, it, all it takes is an open mind, and amazing. if you like nice things, you know <laughs> what they are. And if you only have a short amount of time there, I suggest eating and drinking as well as you can hmm. because and there was more Pappy Van Winkle on the shelves there than there were in, than there was in Louisville wow. when I was down there that's amazing I would have never it's all known real it's not that. fake it's uh, you know because these are the wealthiest people in the world they truly are and uh, it's all new money and they want flash and really what the Russians are drinking is not as I said it's not vodka it's, it's bourbon and it's scotch they have incredible scotch collections I'm not a big scotch drinker but you know, if you're if you're a Scotch drinker, that's the place to go to get Scotch whiskey. God, who would have guessed? In a million years, yeah, I would never guess that. But it's really expensive. It's 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 so you know. If again, we have someone in charge of our country that uh, that lives a very flashy life. That's Moscow. It's yeah. all gold glitz, you know, and new money. Awesome. Wow. If you like that, that's yeah. right up your alley. All right, so let's get, let's get started. We have Tom's our ingredients. Ready. We have our orange juice. Yes. Yes, we have yes. our simple syrup that you're going to tell everyone how we made. We yeah, have right. our bitters. Yep. We have our glasses. We have our ice. And we have our designated yes. driver. And we have our, yes, we have Nathan. <laughs> and we Wonderful. have two types of tequila. We have Mezcal and Cosamigos. Excellent. Wonderful. Cosamigos. I think what the first one we'll do is the, uh, we'll do the, mez the, uh, the, the, the tequila one first because the second one, the Mezcal is smokier and it'll, Leave that flavor in your mouth over the tequila, whereas the other way, it'll taste more like bourbon. We will leave it to you to guide us. I'm very, very okay. curious. Of all the tequilas out there, Nick, what do you think of the tequilas that uh, are the ones you really want to drink? The ones that, well, it's been so long. Um, the, the one that I always really liked to drink was Casanoble. Because oh, okay. they aged it in French white oak as opposed to American bourbon oak. Yeah. So it had a tighter, leaner flavor. Especially their Blanco, which I believe was done all in stainless steel and no oak at all. Or if it was, it was just a neutral French oak, French white oak. I've had the Blanco. So, like, I was like highly wine. impressed. Yeah, What's I, that? I actually had the Blanco uh, as a substitute once, and I was blown away. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, actually it's really nice. uh, pretty, I mean, I, pretty well priced, I used too. To do, uh, I used to do a little work for, like, uh, William Grant, and they had a, a nice portfolio of, uh, of tequilas. And... But, you know, every, everything is just packaging now. It's not what's in the bottle. And you, I think to find something that's truly esoteric, you have to dig past the big brand stores because they're going to have, you know, fancier cuvées, but really they're just side projects of the big players. The, the place to, to get, you know, artisanal spirits are probably your smaller local stores as opposed to the big brand stores because, the as I said, the big ones are more inclined to get things that only appear to be artisanal out of, you know, expensive packaging or fancy corks or sometimes the tops are like 
really heavy and uh you know that you're you think you're spending fifty dollars on the top and five dollars for the tequila can i ask so, so earlier you said you mentioned something about not buying cannabis infused alcohol because the alcohol can destroy the thc content is that kind of a no no i didn't say i don't oh, think i said that did i misunderstand that, that directly there's there's really not there's nothing on the market legally that has alcohol and thc together right. and right. if anything what it does is it, it puts the thc into suspension it'll last forever i mean it's a preservative yeah especially if you're using something like a 100 anything over 100 proof is going to you know last for months yeah if not years you know it's there's if you go to a bar and you see those uh, containers of vodka behind the bar that are infused with cherries and oranges and lemons and apples right. and whatever that's not more than 80 proof so you know yeah. imagine using something that's over 100 proof it's gonna last forever yeah right. and that's why bitters are so important because these are you know almost you know almost 50 percent alcohol if not more and it's uh it it's the perfect thing to put thc in because you're really only putting it in drop by drop Interesting. Right. uh warren what if you took a tincture that you bought at a medical dispensary or adult use dispensary and just said, you know, I'm just going to add this to my non-alcoholic or alcoholic drink. Is that a shortcut way to doing this? It is a short. It's a shortcut, but it's but it's a cheat because it's okay. going to put the drink Sorry. out of balance. It's okay. going to make it bitter. Uh, okay. Most tinctures don't have, you know, it's just weed and you know, like <clears> this. You know, I'm not going to say this is a bad one. This is a pretty good one. But most tinctures are just cannabis and ethyl alcohol or you know some type of alcohol. Um, this is a this is a pretty strong one here. It won the uh, cannabis cup in 2018. And is that but I find it to be really off-putting because it's so bitter. Is that purchased in Colorado? Uh, I'm not quite. This was uh, Las Vegas. Oh wow! So you need to. So what you need to do is create the drink around the cannabis, so you can add ingredients to the drink to counteract that bitterness or that flavor yeah, but I of would, cannabis. I wouldn't use a tincture in the first place right. because it's always going to be bitter. If okay. I was adding a tincture, I would use it do it in the sense of as or alongside cocktail bitters to deepen and depth they would add depth and balance to the craft cocktail, but I wouldn't use it as my base because it would just be so acerbic and off-putting. It would be unpleasant. It would be like where's the beef? You know, it's one-dimensional. Yeah. What is this guy doing? What, what about the flavorless <laughs> tinctures? What about those flavorless tinctures that are coming out? Uh, they're really interesting. They're really intriguing. Um, in fact, I'm working on one on a product right now. It's uh, the technology is called nanotechnology. Right, so right. it's uh, the THC is in suspension, but it's the particles are, you know, half the size of a human hair, if not smaller. So they're they're you can't see them. Right. And uh, there's no taste, there's no smell, and there's no color. Mine actually is does have taste and smell and color. It's a uh, nanotechnology of uh, mango train wreck. It has beautiful terpenes, and uh, it's shelf stable, so it doesn't need to be refrigerated. And uh, alcohol doesn't uh, kill it off. But it, you know, the drink doesn't have alcohol in it. But I know from experimenting with those ingredients. It makes a, a good thing even better. Interesting. Wow. Perfect. All right. So guide us through one of these uh, so, beverages. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, verbalize the uh, the making of the THC-infused ginger simple syrup. Perfect. The one that I used I think is the best. I mean, I it's, it's available on the market. 
this uh, this ginger syrup, and it's called Pickets, and it's from uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, this is the big bartender size. This is a, a normal size is like an eight ounce bottle, and I think it makes four or five 750 ml bottles of seltzer or you know ginger beer soda yeah. in the soda stream. But to make uh, ginger syrup, it's you know without going out and buying it, it's very simple. I use a uh, complex sugar. I don't. I never use white sugar, and I never use um, brown sugar because that's just poisonous. I use a sugar like demerara sugar or turbinado sugar. Some I could even use coconut sugar. There's all different types of sugar that you can use, but the but the ones I stay away from are white sugar or brown sugar. Um, it's a one-to-one -one ratio, so it's one cup of sugar to one cup of you know distilled water or regular you know spring water i try not to use ingredients that will change the flavor of my cocktails when they're you know boiled like tap water has chlorine in it you may not be able to detect the chlorine when you're drinking a glass of water but after it's been boiled you'll probably smell the chlorine because it's concentrated so you know the water's not going to be boiling for very long but it's long enough to make you know, bad water smell really bad. So, you know, it's, I use a one-to-one -one ratio, one cup of sugar to one cup of good water. Uh, you simmer them together until the sugar dissolves. You can cook it longer to make caramel, or you can cook it longer to give it the approximate color that you're looking for. Um, uh, this, this shade is pretty easy to get to. That'll take about uh, a half hour or so on a very, very slow simmer, not more than 160 degrees. There's a, another thing that we were missing is the after the you make the simple syrup, you take like a, a big knob of, uh, of ginger and peel the, uh, the rough coating off the outside of it plop it right into the container and let it sit overnight in the refrigerator and then come the next morning you have ginger simple syrup very very easy one Perfect. of the easiest things i know how to do yeah nothing nothing too scientific about it uh you will want to strain out the uh, ginger knob after you've made your syrup it'll uh stay fresh in the refrigerator for about a week um the uh the commercial brands like this one will stay in the refrigerator indefinitely not that it has anything desperately wrong in it, but it, it has, uh, you know, it, it, it's already been boiled and everything is, uh, you know, sterile inside there. So we made, um, we made the sugar and we used your Demero uh, sugar and Poland spring water. Okay. We did, we did. And we so, used the Poland spring water. And how much cannabis did you use? Uh, an ounce, I think. Oh, that's very good. In, yeah. in how much fluid, how much fluid? It was two cups. We had to use the two cups. Okay, so, so you use two cups because the magical butter machine. So, two to two. Yeah, we use two uh, to two. I th I think that's fantastic. So okay. you're going to have a pretty potent drink. Um, so the amount of cannabis used is the the ratio that I like to use is one ounce per cup. Okay. You use one ounce for two cups, but that's fine. One ounce per cup for medical use because you want to get more of that THC into the uh the syrup because you're not really using that much of it so it's it'll probably be i don't know i, I don't know the math but it, i think it's going to be about 20 to 30 milligrams per cocktail it works out to be 
Oh, okay. So it's not that it's not overpowering, but uh, but it has a little kick too. You know, I've done dr- I did some drinks on Vice. It'll let you know it's so, two hundred and fifty. To any rent. listeners, this is <laughs> not for, this is not for the inexperienced cannabis consumer. Let me yes. just put that out there because no, it's 20, not. But it, twenty but, or thirty milligrams. But no one said that you have uh, to drink. You know, all the drinks at once. You know, you make one drink. You don't have to finish it. You true. let it. You, know, you take a sip and see how you feel. And yeah. it's like Thai food. You know, you go out to a Thai restaurant and. You know, and they say how spicy you want it. And, you know, if it's the first time you're at a Thai restaurant, you probably don't want to order it five-star Thai or beyond Thai spicy. Yeah. But you might want it to have it just, you know, a little bit spicy. So cannabis cocktails are the same thing. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm going to just express once again, if you're, uh, you're, if you're not experienced and you're listening, go slow, wait an hour, go wait slow. an hour and a half, and yeah. then try a little more. But just, you know, yeah. respect the drink for sure. Yeah. That Thai so food, that's really, a great so analogy. You, so assume, assuming that this has been, you know, so the how do you get the cannabis THC into the syrup is probably a question that people ask. And I, I have an answer for that. Because I use the Levo, it is technology. But I can tell you that if you do everything in a double boiler, it works just as nicely. And I'm trained as a saucier, so I want to teach you how to do it from scratch, not just plug into a machine and hit start. That's nice, but I want you to know how to do things from scratch. And the infusion of your simple syrup, now ginger syrup, with THC can be done a number of ways. You've done it the way with the magical butter machine. I do it the way with the Levo. Someone who doesn't want to go out and spend 200 and some odd dollars can do it in the double boiler. You would take your Cannabis, your non-cannabis infused syrup. Right now, it's just a ginger simple syrup, and it goes into a double boiler, which is simmering at 160 degrees. And then to that, you add that ounce of cannabis that you've put in a cheesecloth wrapper, and you close it up. And it's it's uh, because it was in the magical butter machine. It's going to be you know, you know, you you. Wait, I have to pull back from that for a second because my brain's getting confused. If you're not doing the magical butter machine and we're infusing the cannabis in, we have to just take the uh, the whole buds, grind them down to a nice loose consistency, put them in cheesecloth, tie the two ends, place it into the gin- into the ginger syrup, and let that simmer for approximately two hours at 160 degrees. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. So. At the end of two hours, you remove the cannabis packet, strain it out really well. I recommend wearing rubber gloves because you'll get super stoned if you don't. Right. Um, <laughs> is that decarb? And then let it cool. Yeah. Is that that we got to decarb the cannabis first, then put it in the cheese? Right. Cup? Well, the cannabis is decarb. Okay. Right. The cannabis okay. is decarb right. to uh, okay. 240 degrees for 45 minutes. Gotcha. And that's always in step one, even before it goes in the magic butter machine, correct? Even even before, because the magical butter machine does not decarb. Got it. You know, it's surprising. Do, it, it, you would it, think. The first incarnation did, but not the subsequent ones. Yeah, so the one that we have is the Magic Butter Machine 2. And I was kind of yeah, surprised. I, have one of those. I was surprised that it didn't, you know, do that. Yeah, yeah. and they don't really instruct you. Put they in don't. instructions, and no. that's what you're supposed to do. They okay. really so throw everything in and hit, hit play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, essentially the recipes become flawed. Uh, another thing that I do in, like, cream-based drinks when I do uh, THC infused condensed milk, is I add lecithin, uh, soy lecithin, to, and that supercharges the THC, making it 
even more potent and exciting. Why does that do it? Why does that react it, that way? It's brain food. It, it, it's, it's a, a complex fact. And the THC bonds to it <clears throat> like nobody's business. And it, it, it makes, the, uh, makes the THC really super potent. Wow, it's like a chemistry We class. call it supercharges. That's amazing. You have to try it. It's no really idea. Cool. Very it's like cool. it makes it go from wow to wow. You know how many kids in high school pay attention to chemistry if, like, this is what they were teaching? <laughs> you wouldn't get any kids well, skipping you know, glasses. I, I really wasn't paying attention. I, I, I kind of like shop class, and I liked uh, carpentry. I've, well, I, rem- I can see all the scars from the exacto knives. Um, but I wasn't really paying attention in science class until someone gave me a pot brownie. I think I was about 15 years old. And ever since then, it's been, you know, picking mushrooms out in the woods and, you know, I... all right so anyway so um finesse finesse is very important having a clean area to work on is very important you can't quite see you know what's down below but when i work i'm going to try to work up up high so you can see what's going on um i think it's really important to have clean glassware I think it's really important to have good ice. I think it's really important to have good ingredients that I can't stress enough. Um, when you have THC infused ingredients, make sure you label them. It's just my wife and I, so uh, I know she's not going near that. But if you have kitties around the house, you may want to put, you know, do not touch, uh, you know, whatever, poison or something. Because all I could see is, you know, there's enough there's enough to make probably, I don't know, 50 drinks here of mind boggling proportions. And you probably wouldn't want to take too much. So that's exactly. why I, I would say mark your stuff. Well, um, good cautionary. You, notes for the said, listeners. you know, use caution, you know, use caution and use small amounts. You can yeah. always have more, never less. So anyway, uh, so you guys are going to, going to start out. I, so the, uh, the decarb and, and infusion is, is the most important thing, getting the THC inside the uh, the simple syrup, and then you just build your cocktail the way that you know how. And okay. I'll show you. Perfect. Perfect. Nice. So uh, I'll start. Yep. Um, I've got some a uh, little bit of orange, and I'm going to add that to... Is that lemon or it? orange? This is a, uh, this is a Boston shaker. Oh, okay, that's orange. That's right. So how much are we adding? Oh, I don't know. I'd say, uh, I guess it's just for me. I would say two uh, ounce and a half. And I'm going to use about an ounce of simple, the ginger simple syrup with the THC. And then we have a uh, Blanco tequila. I'm going to use about three ounces of that. Because I don't want to get wasted. Close enough. And then I'm going to cap it up oh. and give it a little pop. Can you, can you get a spoon? Can you pop a spoon? Oh, thank you. Our measuring devices. Do you have a steak for me? Yeah. Say again? Do you, yeah. you ever go to a bar and, and, you know, and they, they make a shake, shaking cocktail and they go like this? They cap it up. They cap it and they go like this. And yeah. then they pour your drink. Ever go have that happen? Yes. Yep. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have ice in there right now? 
Oh, and the other thing is, if you go to a bar and they don't put a glass of water down in front of you before you've ordered, leave. Warren is a purist, you can tell. Oh, he does have ice in there. Yep. And that's Warren... Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Look at this. This is magnificent. <laughs> so... So there's the cocktail. Our shake is done. And then I'm going to add some orange bitters to Coming it. I'll lift it up there. again so you can see me do that. How much bitters are you adding? Just like a, two or three drops. Two and then I'm going to add a little bit of queso bitters because I, I believe this is for healing. You know, ginger you, was used to heal the gut. After. But queso's was really used to uh, heal your uh, lower gut because when you had like a really bad, bad, bad case of uh, dysentery, and you knew you were gonna die, you would go to your uh, pharmacist and they would you'd say, I need those Peycho bitters for my gut. And here they are, you know, you just you can't put too much of them on there, so. So how's our color look? Man, that looks good, this is delicious. Let's give it a shot. How's that taste? Wow, my God, that's smooth. I think it's really good. <laughs> it literally it tastes be. like... I, get, I told you what to do. Wow. That's a that's a drink that rivals any alcoholic drink for sure. That's incredible. It, Isn't that delicious? It's so simple. Yeah. Wow. That's dangerous. That tastes and so you know, good. You, you, could just... you don't taste the alcohol at all. No. Actually, all I taste so is all I taste you is oranges. You drink like ten of them and you wouldn't know it. I wow, that's that, that could this could be dangerous. Yes. <laughs> Imagine that in a hot summer day sitting outside. That's amazing. Yeah, Warren. you you want to have you never never want to have more than three per hour. Okay. Never. Well, I mean, especially I mean, if you're talking about 20, 30 milligrams a drink. Yeah. You know, I mean. Well, I I have a slightly higher uh, you know comparison ratio there. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody that's got a medical, you know, cannabis card is going to just have a natural higher tolerance. Because, you know, the thing about cannabis a lot of people don't realize is you're going to build up a tolerance, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, it's more significant than alcohol, too. So, yeah, for someone well, that it certainly is. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just and as I said, I didn't write my book for recreational purposes. I wrote it for medicinal purposes. So it's really important to to understand that if you want to destroy everyone in your neighborhood, get my book. And if you want to have uh, a good medicinal reason for having it, get my book. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, so the 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 second drink is wow, with mezcal, really and the reason yes. why I like mezcal is because it's it's quite mysterious it has it has mysterious properties to it and some of those properties are are evoked through incantation through uh mysticism through downright witchcraft you know you're not quite sure what what they're talking about but uh but they make much less mezcal than they do tequila because it's a much more time consuming part uh, there's heat involved, there's fire involved, there's aging and much more aging involved. Uh, and it, there's smoke. It, the drinking of mezcal reminds me of drinking scotch whiskey that spent time in a, uh, in a tequila cask. And that, that is possible as well because after they use those casks, those rum casks to, you know, one time, to make you know bourbon whiskey and then they're made rum and then they make tequila and then they go to scotland 
to do uh, to do whiskey. And mezcal is like that amalgamation of all those flavors together with that tequila undertone. But mezcal has all that smoke and char and fire. Big time. Uh, there's one called Pechuga, which uh, I was going to recommend that you try to get a bottle of. Pechuga is made, they, uh, dis- they suspend a chicken breast over the uh the simmering uh you know wort if you will you know yeah. the, the the agave that's boiling in a big pot and it uh you know they use natural yeasts and the chicken drips its juices into the uh the, the distillate which is then uh well it's not it's not a distillate yet but it's like a soup and then it goes and becomes distilled and the, the gas that's captured is your mezcal did wow. I do that right? I think so. So, so that mezcal actually has chicken stuff in it. It has chicken droppings, yeah, you know, drippings <laughs> in it. Yeah, pechuga. I would have never known. About hundred bucks a bottle. hundred bucks a bottle for chicken drippings. <laughs> I knew I didn't like mezcal for a reason. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. It really is crazy, and it's it's full of smoke and char and oil and fat and 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 you know hundred proof spirits and. You know, you, you pour yourself a glass, these little uh, ceramic, you know, glasses, and you throw the first one on the ground to evoke the spirits. Wow. Be better. Wow. All right, Be so better. let's, what do we do with that one then? So, with this one, we're going to use some clean ice. And I'm going to first start with some mezcal. And I'm going to use, this one I'm going to use about, Three ounces of mezcal. Because okay. I want it to be really, really assertive. Three ounces? Three ounces of mezcal. And then this one, I'm going to add my orange bitters right into the mix. So I'm going to add about 10 shakes of orange bitters. So it's going to have a really orangey flavor. Now, Maybe 10 or 20. Warrant, you know, is it, a, is it any bitters that you have. If you don't have orange drops. bitters, it's fine. But, you drops. know, I used orange bitters. Shakes or drops, Warren? Shakes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Don't don't count it. Just <laughs> there we go. Know, perfect. All right, we got about twelve shakes. So we're okay. Good. Looks like this. So then, that's perfect. Then we're gonna add the uh, the orange component. How much? I'd say uh, in my case probably uh, an ounce. And then I'm going to add two ounces of the uh, THC-infused ginger, which I can tell you is quite potent. Wow. There we go. So I'm going to cap this up and shake it up. There we go. Mezcal. Oh, beautiful. I'm so excited about drinking mezcal. This has that beautiful orange <laughs> bouquet, that aroma that's coming up. Look how gorgeous that is. Mm. So how's that, that nice look? foam on top. Great coloring? Great coloring. I'm going to add a little bit of the Peychaud's again to it. I love the Peychaud's. It adds that shock of red. It's going to kind of float up on top. Wish you could see that, but it, it kind yeah, of floats it's up on through. top of the uh, of the white foam. 
and it adds a little bit of that absinthe licorice flavor and aroma. Mm. That's yeah. like a refreshing ginger lemonade with uh, a well, lemonade or an orangeade with a little bit of that. It shows absinthe flavored uh, bitters and the orange and all the mezcal, the smoke, it just comes together. It's perfect. That is delicious. I don't normally like mezcal, but everything in there, it just it, the actual, the smoke actually enhances the other flavors, I think. Mm. It does. And, and the effect will affect, will give you some nice buzz too, pretty soon. I would say in the next three to five minutes, you'll be uh, laughing and giggling. That's a, it's, that's a, it's incredible, the difference. So where, so where do you see, I mean, there's something here as an industry, right? I mean, mm-hmm. where do you... Yeah, it's not just one guy making making right. drinks if, in his if, bar. If you flash forward a couple years, I mean, I, and maybe some states are already there. We're in Massachusetts, which is in right. its infancy as far as cannabis goes. I'm sure Colorado, Oregon, California are, far ahead, are farther ahead of us. But where do you see this industry going? Uh, I see it, you know, taking over the beverage community. I mean, that's what we're really looking for. We want to see beverages that are less sweet. We want to see things that are, uh, that, that have, you know, that are authentic, that have nice flavor balance, that are not complicated to make. Um, I like the idea that my drinks can be enjoyed any place and not necessarily in a bar because if they have alcohol they're not going to have thc the way the laws are now yeah and certainly i i you know i don't know what's going up there in boston but uh i don't see canned beverages with thc in them outside of the the uh the the dispensary system that you have but uh you know fast forward to to legalization maybe that will be possible but right now alas no yeah, I'm curious your take on that, Warren, because, I mean, I think your opening statement was, you know, these cannabis drinks are going to take over. I, too, am a, a, number one, believe they're going to be popular, right? Because, I, I, I mean, my, my just my belief is, you know, somebody that's consuming cannabis versus someone that consumes alcohol regularly, it's just much better for your body. It's much better for a whole host of reasons. And so I do right. think there will be a time where we can be at a restaurant or a bar and we can pick the alcohol, the tequila, or the, the cannabis-infused drink. Um, from your perspective, having experienced both, you know, being this, you know, a, a guy with a great background as it relates to the alcohol, you know, side of cocktails, why do you think cannabis-infused drinks are going to be so big um, comparative to alcohol? Well, they, they represent a shot across the bow for alcohol because you can drink, you know, it, take away the mezcal and the tequila and the ones we made. Purely a mocktail. There aren't hangovers or a thing of the past. What is in there that would get you a hangover? Nothing. Yep. THC doesn't give you a hangover. Uh, CBD, to a certain extent, does. The big fallacy is that, you know, with CBD cocktails that, uh, that it does anything. It really doesn't. CBD is negated by alcohol. It doesn't, you know, bring it up. So it doesn't amplify it. But, uh, you know, the conversation around authenticity has to change. And the expectation of the consumer has to be taught. And it's not like buying a soda in your, uh, you know, in a convenience store that has a cannabis leaf on it. And your perception is, is that cannabis leaf means I'm going to get high. 
even though there's no THC in it, but your visual perception is cannabis leaf stoned. And right. so products like the Humboldt uh, vodka, there's a vodka out there that's a hemp vodka and that's emblazoned all across the label with cannabis leaves. And your expectation is that you're going to get high, but it's never going to happen because it's not THC, right. it's hemp. It's yeah. And it, therefore it has no psychoactive properties. But the perception by the consumer is psychoactive because they see those leaf, you know, those leaves and immediately it's, I'm going to get high. It's just not that way. So we have to change that that perception and that sure. dialogue. So, sure. so and then my my anticipation in this is to make drinks that are less sweet. I think tangy should fill the bill because it's going to make you want to have more than one. Yeah. Uh, you know, you it's nice that, that that we make drinks now that uh, you know something I learned in Russia was that most of the drinks when you go out to a bar are just incredibly sweet. Yeah. I could have never imagined having more than one, but they're having like 5, 10, 20. They must have monumental hangovers because of all the sugar. Um, I don't make drinks that way. And when I made drinks for the Russians with the rum that I was using that doesn't have any caramel coloring or flavorings added or any sugar added, and I did make it with the ginger beer, and it is a syrup, but it's not a sweet syrup. It's a tangy syrup. The perception back to me was, what's the matter with this drink? It's not sweet. I think it's really important to change the way American drinks and get away from sweetness and into balance. Warren, do you think that when it comes to not having to use much sugar, alcohol almost kind of forces that because of what you have to kind of overcome with that raw alcohol flavor versus I'm going to guess cannabis. You, you don't have as much of that to overcome. I wonder if there's an element of that. Well, actually, you know, there's, there's two schools of thought. The first school of thought is a cannabis beverage that tastes like and smells like cannabis. The other school of thought was one that we touched on is the flavorless, colorless THC that you add to a drink. And so yep. be it, be it a, a glass of beer or a glass of wine or whatever you're at suddenly putting THC in it, but since it has no scent, it has no flavor, it has no color, you don't know it's in there. I don't do drinks that way. Cannabis for me is part and partial of the entire experience. Right. The quality of the cannabis that you use, if you're if you're preparing it carefully, those aromas, those terpenes are going to be exemplified and they're going to add to the depth and balance of your cocktail. Each strain has a different aroma. Each strain has a different flavor, as it has a different effect, as it has a different motion within your own body. And every single person is different. Right. So what affects me may not affect you. You may, and then you, Todd, might take that, that, that drink, uh, one sip, and get completely obliterated. But, Nate, you're, you're sitting right next to me, you're saying, where's the beef? Right. It all depends on what's in your gut. I always say, don't drink a cannabis cocktail on an empty stomach because it's going to pass through your liver and into your intestine and other places and you're either going to pee it out or whatever else you're not going to get it it's going to go right through your body and you're not going to get high at all it's very important to eat a full meal before you imbibe any sort of cannabis edible or beverage because your liver will be kept busy and it'll bypass the liver I'm not a doctor but this is at least what my science class told me it bypasses the liver and goes into your bloodstream. The other thing that happens is when you use alcohol, 
in a cannabis cocktail. So as the capillaries in your bloodstream open up for the alcohol and the THC pours right in. Oh, interesting. Like I didn't know that. <laughs> That's why you get the crossfade. That's wow. amazing. That we we absolutely without question need to do this again um <laughs> down the road. Um this uh, I, I aside from the the delicious drinks, I, I think I've learned more today just on the science of it and everything like that. It was fascinating. I feel like we could go on for hours just asking questions and and I'm, I'm I mean, doubting this is really a whole new spectrum. It really know? is. It's like drinks. Yeah. I really feel like Thank even you. even in the medical and adult use cannabis dispensary space, I mean, consumers are only now starting to figure yeah. that out. And here on the East Coast, I will tell you, Warren, it's just not like Colorado or California. Uh, I'm gonna say 75% of the dispensaries out here still don't even have drinks in their dispensaries. No, they're not. No. They're not allowed. It's it's beyond their charter. Well, they're um, they're allowed in the in, in the dispensaries here. It's and, just yeah. it's just just I think I feel like the infrastructure is just now starting to actually take hold to actually get that well, stuff out. But it's also the technology because my process doesn't require refrigeration. Most of the pos- the products on the market require refrigeration, and that means that the beverage manufacturer has to supply the refrigerator, and that's a big expense. So if you're in 300 dispensaries in California and you have to supply a refrigerator to 300 dispensaries and you're having dinner with your wife in San Francisco and someone calls you on New Year's Eve from San Diego my my refrigerator's gone bad I need you to come here right away and fix it for me what are you going to do so that's why I have a shelf stable product yeah but most I'd say 99% of the products on the market are not shelf stable they require refrigeration so that's been a an impediment to uh, to you know the beverages coming out onto the market. There are very very few, if any, that you know. I I think Can is one of the only ones. Maybe Tingley, a handful of others are uh, shelf stable. Wow, the, the amount of education that's that's needed in this space. I mean, across, up and down, from from companies to consumers to regulators, everything. It's just staggering how much lack of knowledge and just even misinformation is out there totally and every time well, you peel and the sugary, and sugary sweet drinks i mean I, yeah. I go to like hall of flowers or the emerald cup and i've tasted it many of the, of the competition if you will for my product class apothecary and i when i spoke at the cannabis drinks expo in san francisco south san francisco uh two years ago last year whatever um i i prefaced it by saying cannabis drinks suck because cannabis drinks do suck because they're they're like uncertain fruit punches or you know beer flavored seltzers and if i wanted to drink a beer flavored seltzer i'm going to drink a a beer if i'm going to drink a seltzer i'm going to drink a (laughs) seltzer i don't care entirely for seltzer other than on my dinner table and when i drink a beer i want i don't want it to taste like uh like air yeah, and that's what the what the pro- that product is. Some of them, like the uh, Reef Cola, is an amazing product. It is, but I don't want to drink cola at every meal. Have you? I want something that really speaks for craft. Uh, Warren, have you had either the um, Lagunitas uh, infused beer drink that they have? They're not calling it a beer drink. Um, I, I'm curious if you've had that or the um, I think they call it Two Roots out in California. Yeah, I've had I've had both of them, and uh, you know I, I want to say that I, 
I've written about, I think I've written about both of them. I'm not quite sure. I don't want to say too much because they are my competition. So I don't want to appear to be uh, overly intense upon them. But I think that those drinks need work. And I, uh, especially the, uh, the Lagunitas, because I had antici- anticipated it to be a de-alcoholized beer with THC. When I drank it, it was seltzer with a tiny little, it had a, no hot flavoring whatsoever. Right. And the, the tiny little about amount of THC that it had in it, it, it put me to sleep, but didn't give me any, any real feeling at all. I, I, I was, wasn't very impressed by it. Uh, the, the Two Roots product on the other side, I, I think is it's viable. I, I like it. I think it's tasty. Um, you know, good luck getting it here on the East Coast. So right. I, I haven't had a whole – I've tried it once, and it didn't leave me with that memorable factor, but right. it wasn't bad either. Right, right. I'm really curious how the regulations are going to play out, yeah. here, right? Because right now – you know the, the sale. I mean, uh, the sale of anything mixing alcohol and cannabis is strictly prohibited. Well, you, but, well it is prohibited. You'll run into a world of trouble with the TTB. Exactly. And so they, it's, it's strictly know, they, prohibited. They play for keeps. They're that's the old Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Right. And uh, you know they lumped them all together for a reason. So I I, I just like to keep clear of them anyway. Absolutely. And even when I worked so, in craft spirits, especially then. Because, you know, that's taxation issue. So uh, Yeah, I, I don't I see the to... sale of an alcohol and cannabis infused drink anytime soon. But I do think oh, it's it's a matter well, of you time. Have my book. Exactly. We've got <laughs> the book. I said you have my book. That's, you know, that's, <laughs> but I that's do see as the regulations open up, as indoor consumption gets figured out you know it's going to be some of these states right it's probably going to be either you know nevada california or massachusetts one of these states is going to be first to have indoor consumption and it's 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 going to be interesting it's kind of like a social experiment because here's my belief warren you go to a cookout and you Mm -hmm. show up with your beer at the cookout and you're like everybody else Okay, no problem. It, well, that was you, the idea. You are like everyone else. You can right. drink with everyone else. And this is my point. You go to a cookout and you pull out your joint, and all of a sudden people are like, what the heck? Todd shows up. He's lighting the joint, right? You show That's up. Exactly and, and right. Now, here's been my experience. You show up with a with a THC-infused, alcohol, THC-infused non-alcoholic beverage, you're all of right. a sudden the cool kid at the cookout, right. really and truly, right. uh, because people are like, "Wait a minute, that's it's it's not a beer, it's not that, but it tastes like a beer." Yeah, what is it? You yeah, know, it's it's very yeah. intriguing to people. Very intriguing to people. Now, well, and, and I have another thought. Your experience sure. about the dosing of two roots, I mm-hmm. think that you got your your medical card card holders, your longtime cannabis consumers, they're gonna want a much higher dose of THC. However, right. when you look at the, the masses of new consumers that are coming out, I would actually say five milligrams is really about where you want to be yeah. yep. because it helps them kind of figure out and balance out. Okay, th- that's a good point, you know, entry point. Whereas you get somebody down in a 30 milligram beer or drink, I got to tell yeah. you, they're, 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 it's going to be a bad night Lights for them. <laughs> it's going to be a well, bad it might, night. It might be an experience that they didn't bargain for. Yeah. That's exactly that's right. Yeah. It's exactly like that who's right. Right. Yeah. So how do so, experience they just didn't expect? Yeah. Right. So right. tell everybody out there how how do we how does someone follow you? How do they kind of latch on uh, to the they, Warren bandwagon? They can, 
they can look at my website. Todd, they can look at my website. <clears throat> excuse me, cocktailwhisperer.com. That's uh, that's a good place to see. They can look at my Forbes page and Forbes Vices. Yep. Uh, search under my name, Warren Bobro, uh, B-O-B-R-O-W. Uh, the uh, other way is they can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, Warren Bobro. Or on Twitter with a number one because someone stole my name. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, really? It wasn't nice. Uh, you yeah, mean they, they stole it? it to, they, they stole it to squat on? That I was. They complained to Twitter that I stole their name because they have a PhD and I don't. Oh, oh my goodness! God. Yeah. So Warren Bobro on Twitter is not me. All right. It's a, It's an interloper. But Warren, <laughs> he this is a Warren Bobro is from Los Angeles, but he's not me. This book is on Amazon, Amazon correct? Yes, on Amazon. Uh, I think they get their supply on the third. I okay. think I'm on the ninth printing. Okay. Uh, Barnes and Noble has it. Independent bookstores almost all over the world. Someone I know in Australia got a copy recently. I know they have it in Canada. I know it's in Germany. I know it's in Denmark. I know it's in Holland. Uh, there's some. I sent a copy to someone down in Ecuador, so I know they have it there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I, in, my, in my opinion, if you're, yeah, if you're if you're at home and you want to make cannabis cocktails, this is. This is really required reading, um, so that so that you do it right. You know what I mean. You don't want to make a cannabis infused cocktail and have all your guests asleep in twenty minutes because you you messed up dosing or you put too much in. So if you if you want to do this at home, buy Warren's book. I mean, it's it it walks you through step by step decarbing the cannabis, infusing whatever you're going to infuse it with, how to dose, how to do it. it it's just. I learned so much and it was amazing. And this is like yeah. when you look at the recipes, I mean you're not They're simple. just talking about basic, you know, recipes. I mean you, you got some really cool recipes in yeah. here, like, you know, stuff infused with coffee. I mean, it's just uh-huh. some really cool and interesting mixes with these recipes. Yeah. So, and, very and, you know, if you if you like Manhattan's like I do, um, I would say try the green cocktail cherry recipe so you learn how to make cannabis infused cocktail cherries and they're the luxardo cherries you know ah. the really nice unctuous you know sweet ones from italy so i teach you to infuse those with thc and you know your manhattans will never be the same <laughs> that's awesome well i can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on this has been by far my favorite podcast and i i learned so much just reading your book and just listening to you today this was we absolutely have to do this again in the future is as For I'm sure. Sh- yeah, as I'm sure the the space is going to evolve, and there's no doubt in my mind you'll have new recipes coming out. You're going to want to share with everybody. And, and Warren, with you being a pioneer in this space, I'm going to guess that the demand uh, for you, whether it be on you know podcasts like this, just radio, events, events, events. I mean, you you just spoke at Benzinga. Um, I mean, are, is your kind of like you know are you starting to like get more and more inquiries? Uh, I'm, I'm getting busy. I embrace it. Yeah. Not always. <laughs> this morning I was saying, why can't I do all this on email? <laughs> <laughs> and can I just uh, say, hey, Warren. I'm, I'm busier. You know, the, the world has changed in the, in, in the last months. Yeah. And I want to remain cognizant of that and say that at some point I hope to be able to share my talent face-to-face rather than through a Zoom event. 
Yeah. But for the time being, it, it seems to work. And uh, if you follow directions, you should be okay. And if not, get in touch with me and I'll walk you through it. Yeah, I found the instructions. I mean, it, yeah, it, they're very easy to follow along. So no one should be intimidated by buying the book that they're not going to understand how to well, do it. It's it's yeah. a step-by-step process, and it's it's very easily explained. And I think he came up with some pretty cool trendy names too. I mean, look at this. It's not a bloody not a bloody Mary, a bloody good remedy. I mean, like that's a just good remedy. That's pretty cool, yeah. man. Someone who's traveled to Europe would know that because they'd hear people who were from uh, from, you know, England or from Scotland or whatever and they you know, you'd hear people complaining and they say it's a bloody good remedy. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. All right, Warren. Well, thank you very much. And um, we will absolutely be speaking to you again in the future, I believe. I look forward to it. We had fun today. But I've uh, bitten off. But it's fun, man. It really is. Thank you for listening. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Canapreneur Partners, for making this podcast possible. If you leave us a good review, it would be appreciated. Each five-star review enables us to bring you the highest quality content we can find. Canapreneur Partners, the host, and any guests on the program may or may not have or make investments in any of the companies we feature. If you're interested in making an investment, please check with your financial advisor. If you have any questions, want to appear in the podcast, or like to sponsor one or more episodes, simply send an email to info at canna-media.org. Until our next episode, we all here hope you have a very happy and safe day. Thank you.